Hello, welcome to episode 23 of the Wasting Time podcast. I'm just by myself today, so I will keep the intro super short. Also for the interview, it was just me. I had my old friend Gary A come up to the flat. Uh, we did one live, which, which was a lot of fun because the last few episodes we've been doing uh, mostly with people in America remotely. Uh, so, so Gary's an old friend of mine. You might know him from the UK punk scene. I first knew him from the band Point Dexter um, back in the early 2000s. He was a big part of that UK punk scene. And then throughout the years, he's played in several other bands, including The Telegraphs and Eager Teeth. Um, and he's recently been doing some cool solo stuff. So I think let's just get straight into it. So this is my uh, chat with Gary. Okay, so I'm here with my old friend Gary Ye. Hi, Chris. How's it going, Gary? Yeah, very good, thanks. Your house is lovely. Thank you, thank you. First time seeing it, isn't it? In fact, it's been it's been a little while since we've uh, had a chance to hang out, hasn't yeah, it? Yeah, I mean, like, I guess you came to visit once when I was still living in London a few years ago. Yeah, so we were quite bad like that. I came to visit you... It must have been about five years ago. When yeah, yeah, because Luca was still a baby. Like my yeah. son was still a baby. So yeah, Luca, who's now what five? five? Yeah, five, he's five. five and a half, maybe. Yeah, five and a half. So <laughs> okay, <laughs> yeah, I I came over. You kindly cooked dinner for me. I never repaid the favor. That's okay. And, <laughs> until now, but it's with an ulterior motive. So I'm a bad friend. <laughs> but yeah, so I guess the last time I saw you was. Um, when you played that Poindexter show just over a year ago. Yeah, that was fun. I mean, um, it was very odd getting the guys back together again because um, for the benefit of any listeners, Poindexter formed 18 years ago and wow. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we hadn't actually played together for 10 years. So um, we did a little reunion show in 2008 where after... So I'm from Burma and there was a big cyclone that hit Burma. So I was skint at the time and all my family were donating money and I was like, I don't know how to help them. And then um, I decided to put on a charity gig and I got old mates of mine, a band called My Def Audio, to agree to reform and they wanted to do mm-hmm. a, co- a cover set of Nada Surf. And I was like, yeah, we'll do that too. And then we ended up doing Weezer. Yeah, I remember this happening. Yeah. yeah. And then like it was really good. And then we just never got together again. And then uh, we got approached by Not Katie's last year mm-hmm. to try and do it again. So, um, but all our own stuff again. So the thing is that I've sort of consistently played in bands. Well, that, that seems like a good point to jump in and, and ask you about your history playing in bands. Because I guess the way we we tend to do this is like, We'll, we try and keep things chronological. Obviously, that jumps over yeah. all over the place, which you'd expect. <laughs> but we'll, I suppose we could try and keep that as a sort of loose structure. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, so like, um, wh- like when did it all, your love of music, start for you? So uh, I suppose I started playing the guitar when I was like 14. And then it wasn't the same as like having YouTube and stuff now where you can become a shredder within like 15 minutes <laughs> because you're just copying someone else's flipping like instruction video of how to play like four years strong or something like that but like those, uh, those, I was, those are tough riffs yeah. to play yeah I know <laughs> I don't even try it <laughs> so I had to learn from videoing loads of crap off the TV like music festivals and like live shows and things like that off the telly so basically just pressing rewind and stuff all the time so it's quite a slow process but I didn't start playing in bands until I was about 16 17 
And then I moved to Brighton, met you obviously, but mm -hmm. I just formed Poindexter in 2001. Oh yeah, oh, I just wanted to, so the bands before Poindexter, is there any of those that stood out for you or would you rather forget about them? <laughs> I've, I've like, cause I've obviously before, before seeing you, I've made some notes oh, like, just, right. just from knowing you and from memory well, really. Um, I feel a bit bad if I didn't give them a shout out. Yeah, so, what, like, like what about those, those fellas that, so there used to be um, a show in the, I suppose late nineties, early two thousands on MTV called MTV Select. <laughs> <laughs> that, that came back to me when I was trying to think of like, the yeah. early years before I knew you. So, so what, what was the deal with that? Yeah, so it was while I was at uni, um, the band that I'd just been in from school was called Templeton Peck. Yeah. And uh, we only really had a handful of original songs and we just used to do a lot of covers and stuff, but we were quite a loud, fast punk band. And uh, we record, for one of our songs, we did a video on Super 8, which basically involved us running around in the woods and me getting beaten to death with an old... Oh, yeah. electric guitar. I remember now because <laughs> you had you had the VHS yeah. recording of this uh, at your yeah, yeah. I remember you showed me <laughs> this yeah and then um, my friend Paul who is Nat who was the drummer and is now the biggest um, music video live video director on the planet who like did, directs like Rolling Stones and stuff oh like Jesus that. wow insane. he won a Grammy recently and like stuff like that but Paul Dugdale if you're listening this is for Templeton Peck. <laughs> and so he sent in a video to MTV and then it won some kind of competition. And so they invited us in to be interviewed on there when I was about 18. And we were interviewed by Donna Eyre. I don't know if any of your listeners remember um, Biker Grove. I that, think yeah. we'll struggle. <laughs> <laughs> Even 30-year-olds don't remember Biker Grove. It's quite upsetting. Yeah, me. sort of mid-30s plus, isn't it? Yeah. People remember. What was she like? Um, she was a bit arsy because we kept making fun of her and then like um, she kept going like I can cut you off at any point oh really yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but yeah that was fun and then yeah and then prior to that Chris who was in Poindexter yeah. was in my very first band called Siamese Fighting Fish called what sorry Siamese Fighting Fish oh, okay nice name but, what kind of music was that it was like indie punk sort of thing oh yeah except we were absolutely rubbish <laughs> I don't think anyone would really mind me saying that, like, um, yeah, we just were rubbish. But um, Templeton Peck were a lot better, but then, like, also a bit rubbish. But then Poindexter was the first band I actually started taking seriously. Right. So, like, yeah, so you moved, <clears throat> both you and Chris went to uni separately, but then just moved to Brighton just for... Yeah, so... You didn't know what to do next in life kind of thing. Like Yeah, well, the uni bit was quite important to us because well, for the genesis of Poindexter and other things, because... Um, Chris went to Southampton Uni, which gave birth loads of pop punk bands in like the of year course. 2000, 2001. Such as Not Katie's Slash, yeah, Not Lassie Katie's, Come Home. Yeah. Uh, um, what, who else? Uh, Howard's Alias. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, so, like, Chris and our friend Ollie, um, Ollie Pert, if you're listening, <laughs> <laughs> uh, both of them started the punk night at the Nexus and they started yeah. getting bands to play. Okay. And this is about the time that deconstruction was happening. So like, um, so it started snowballing and more and more bands that we knew were coming to play it. And then like, they'd get other bands who were like already established, like Captain Everything, Live oh, yeah. Here and yeah. stuff like that to come and play. Scar Punk was still really big and like, yeah, Howard's Alias came from that whole Southampton scene. Not Casey's did as well. Nearly every single one of them did film studies at Southampton Institute, which is what Chris <laughs> did as well. Yeah. So I ended up making friends with all of them. And Neil Kennedy, who was um, 
who produces he everyone produces these days. Loads of people now, yeah, right? Like at the, the studio, the ranch, or he was at Southampton Uni as well. Yeah. So from that, we just had this whole network of people that just mm-hmm. gave birth to our own band. And then we already had a network of people to rely upon to start going on tour with. So like the early Poindexter days, we were touring so, with. But when, so when you moved to Brighton, both you and Chris, did you do it with the intent to start a band? Yeah. So we both decided that our degrees weren't really things that we were going to um, capitalize on straight away. Yeah. So we were like, right, let's go and form a band. That's what we actually want to do. We'd, we'd already formed the band with mem- people from Folkestone where we grew up before getting there. But then um, we... In, well, eventually, sort of, those people were phased out and then were replaced with um, mates of ours from Brighton as well. So Tom and Pete were yeah. from Brighton. Yeah, And I then they eventually this. replaced Matt and um, and Luke, uh, Luke, our original drummer, who's now in Call Me Malcolm. If you see those guys playing uh, around. Yeah, I know them. Yeah. Really? He's the lead singer of Call Me Malcolm. They used to well, be... Luke, battles- yeah. Luke is in... Luke the- Lionwall, yeah. I mean this with the utmost respect, but I remember, like, he wasn't... I know he was a drummer, but he wasn't really much of a drummer. Is that yeah? Like, he like I remember you saying that at the time, like because he was like a singer or he was a, a singer guitarist, and he yeah. was in another band called Battlestar Galactica at the time. Oh, okay, and okay. Then, um, but off the back of Battlestar Galactica, they all sort of became teachers for a bit, and then they decided to pick up Scar Punk again. And their new album, or like Call Me Malcolm, yeah, stuff, they're doing, like, doing really, doing really well. well, right? Yeah, like as far as Scar Punk goes, like they're doing like they're yeah. making waves now. Like yeah, yeah, absolutely. Good oh, that, I did not know that. That's a that's a cool little fact. <laughs> but yeah, and then like it was after Tom and Pete joined Poindex, I suppose um, things kind of started taking off. We recorded a couple of solid EPs, and then we did an album with Ian Weatherall. Yeah, I you did also, an album I, a record with Ian yeah, Weatherall. I did. As well, I remember uh, me and my 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 usual co-host Nick, who who, who can't be with us tonight. Yeah, our our band not back dead. in the day. He's, <laughs> he's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, yeah, we essentially went to go and record with Ian Weatherall just to like copy you. Right? And, like, <laughs> well, I heard which, the record; he did a good job. Yeah, he was, yeah, he was a genius, really. I thought, like, um, your record sounded better than ours did. <laughs> <laughs> your one, like, I feel like I'm sure you told me at the time, like, you tracked it just live at the same time. Or am I yeah, imagining that? We tracked everything live. We weren't very tight, like in terms of like playing on point or anything like that. So yeah. it was pointless trying to do things to a click or anything like that. So we ended up just tracking everything live. Yeah. Pretty much did all the instrumental in like two days. And then we only really had four or five days booked in. And yeah. then by the time day three kicked in, when I had to do the vocals, my hay fever kicked in. And I was like, oh, duh, 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 duh. <laughs> and I really had to struggle to get the vocals out. And then I ended up sounding extra American. On like, um, <laughs> On the record, not that I didn't sound American anyway, but um, but yeah, because of the fact that I had a blocked up nose for yeah, the whole yeah. thing. Corby in Northamptonshire is a very bleak and boring place. Once I, I can, finished I, your can ver- I can verify that. Yeah, <laughs> right. The studio was right by a cricket pavilion, and there was like nothing to do <laughs> during the day. Oh, do you but- know what? I that just reminds me of something. So recently, uh, the the band I play in currently, we played a gig with this brand new band but the singer was in a band called do you remember Fast Lane? Yeah! Uh, I remember Fast Lane. Like, I, I, I'm I played sure, a bunch of shows with them. Yeah like uh, do you know is it Ben? Is he called Ben the lead singer? Ball, yeah. Ball guy. He used to wear a baseball cap. Yeah yeah. Uh, but, uh, he was an engineer at the Blasting Rooms for a while. Not Blasting Rooms. What's the decent studio in in 
England called where Blasting Rooms is where like Bill Stevenson records from oh, the really? Descendants. I feel like I should know this, but I feel ignorant um, all the but time. But there's there's there was like a UK studio where about yeah. ten years ago loads of pop punk bands were going to there. Okay. Around the same time as like Romesh Dud and Goda and stuff like that, who was doing like a really sort of well polished like pop punky sound. Yeah. Um and and that guy was it John Mitchell maybe? Yeah. His studio was doing like loads of stuff and I think Someone from Fastlane was working there as an engineer. Oh, okay. I'm, I'm like maybe I'm, I'm like ninety percent sure it was him who was telling me this. But what you know, we were reminiscing about all those days and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And obviously they recorded there. But he said like, and this will not shock you. Like one time, so they were all out having a drink. You, you know, because it was on that uh, that rugby. Oh uh, yeah, bar. it was on. A, yeah, and, like they were all sat there and like. Uh, these kids turned and like beat the shit out of them. Like, oh, really? badly. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. But it was quite as you say, it was a grim area. So like. Uh, yeah, there was nothing nearby except a, a curry house and a strip club. Yes, <laughs> there wasn't even a pub, just a curry house and a strip club. It's like, where do you, which one do you go to for a beer? <laughs> Can you remember much of like what it was like working with uh, Weatherall? Did he like contribute any ideas or um, anything, or did he just act yeah, as an engineer? It, he was um, well, every band I guess who went with him were like. A little bit rough around the edges, yeah. Like not like these days, where a lot of bands know exactly what they want when yeah, they go yeah, to the yeah. studio. Like, so he was making such positive suggestions all the time, and it was kind of cute because in his uh, little um, control room, it's all like this is like manual mixing desk and real yeah. to real back. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but he had this little framed photo with him with a massive curly mullet with Brian May. Brian May, yeah. I remember seeing that, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. <laughs> I feel like um, th- that there's a chorus on one of those songs on that album of yours. Is it? It's a song called Identikit. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, you know. Like, it's, it's like a like, really layered vocal. Yeah, thing. massive boy band. Yeah. Great chorus, but I wouldn't be surprised. I'm not saying that so, you couldn't write something like that, but I, I could imagine... Because well, I just remember with us, he he gave us a few ideas for like big vocals and different. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So he was like, he would be in the control room, I'd be on my own, and I was trying to do as much of the vocals on my own as possible, but letting Tom do some of them. And yeah. then like every now and then he'd punch him like, "You're aiming a little bit too high. Why don't you try it like this?" It's <laughs> 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 so, like I'll do it like that, and like making positive suggestions to m- give myself a break. And then like, he made it sound amazing. That was my first proper ever like time in a studio, yeah. like where I spent a few days doing something. Yeah, yeah. You guys sleep on the mattresses and the floor. In, in yeah, the, yeah. Same, there was a drippy same. ceiling and everything, <laughs> but like um, for the most part, it was actually really, really fun. Yeah, and um, and yeah, we were really proud of that record. I think the boys still are. I am. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I, I I haven't listened to it in its entirety for a long time, but like you know the 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 standout songs from the time like that you've sent me in the recent years sound really good, and also hearing the songs live last year sounded great. So well, here's an interesting fact. Go on. For ages, I've been badgering all the other three guys to see if they could dig out a copy of our second EP. Would like to meet. I remember that. And um, no one had it. And like, yeah. I was like, I don't even have a copy. I don't even know where it is. Does anyone have a copy? And everyone's like, oh, I've got a CDR, but it's broken and all this stuff. And I've just resigned myself. Because one of the tracks isn't present on anything. Like, it, Alex Kidd in Miracle World. It was like a pop punky song. Oh. But like... I don't um, remember it by name, but I just... I remember Are We There Yet was on that EP, yeah. wasn't it? The, the, three, the other three songs on that EP ended up on the album, re-recorded. But not that one. But not that one. And um, I was really kicking myself to try and f- listen to it again. Yeah. And then this random Russian kid got in touch with me last year. Oh, this it was is... Like, that's amazing. Are you the... 
are you the singer of the the band Poindexter? <laughs> and I was like, uh, yeah. How the hell do you know what I had? <laughs> he tracked me down on Facebook, like private messaged me. And he was like, I, I found your discography online and like I wanted to find find out about you. And I was like, are you still playing? He's like, well, funnily enough, we just played a reunion show. But... And then I, I was like, well, for that reunion show, I re-recorded one of our songs that we never got to properly record at home. It was when I just started like doing stuff in studio stuff at home. Yeah. And so, like, it was just to commemorate the occasion. I did, like, a new version of one of our last songs, Repeat to Fade. Oh, okay. And then, um, and so I gave him that as, like, because he asked if like, we had any more material. And I was like, by the way, where did you find our back catalogue? And he's like, yeah. it's on this um, Russian, like, punk blog site. And I was wow. like, so he sent me it. He sent me the link. And I was like, yeah. oh, my God, I've got the whole point next to discography. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got it now. Yeah, I've got oh, it. Oh, amazing. So you went and did that record with weather rule uh it was off on your own volition wasn't it that yeah was so we self-funded it out of like yeah. either our own money and t-shirt sales okay. i think we only cost us like 800 quid or something and um, had you done much actual touring at that point or was it mainly sort of uh, the odd show in southampton and london and obviously loads in brighton yeah odds and sods we hadn't really done a full tour until maybe after that like um We'd already made friends with a lot of the bands we'd end up going on tour yeah, with, like yeah. Captain Everything, My Dad Joe, stuff like that. Yeah. And then just after we recorded the album, we ended up going on to or going on a tour with like Belvedere and Captain Everything. Okay. That how did, how did you land that tour? Was it just through being friends with them? I can't or? even remember. Yeah. <laughs> I think well, Chris used no, to do all the negotiation, time. like yeah. in terms of touring and stuff. Um, I think he just networked with Captain Everything and got us on that tour. And then, like, this was, like, ages ago. So, Belvedere were, like, um, very young at the time. So, um, yeah. And then, like, we ended up getting co-opted by Punktastic. And then Paul Savage, the original editor of Punktastic, yeah, was a big him. fan of Poindexter. Yeah. And then he gave us a good review for our album. Yeah, and yeah, then, I remember reading it. Yeah, and then he put us on the... Punktastic used to do a, a headline or, like, have a a tour that they had get two bands to like co-headline yeah sorry can I just jump in one second weren't you signed to something called Open Fire Records or something around this time yeah and was that before this or did it come after I can't remember how that happened so Open Fire was based in Corby as well so we got approached to for someone to like just give us distribution and we were like oh okay yeah fine but then also we were kind of hoping for another stepping stone yeah and then we got Put on the Punktastic co-headline tour. Oh, okay. So with, Open Fire was only was just distri- yeah. distribution. Yeah, and, okay. and in the end, we end up having a self-release because the yeah, I was going to say I don't something happened it. to the guy that ran the label. Oh, he okay. was quite a young lad, like maybe about five years younger than us, and I know maybe like three or four years younger than us. Yeah. And like he was in like a, a car accident or something like that, oh, and okay. then like um, okay. and then he ended up having to fold the company. So we ended up putting the record okay. ourselves. In the end. Okay, fair enough. So so yeah, you were saying so. Um, Punktastic. So yeah, Punktastic put us on their co-headline tour in 2004 with uh, Echo Freddy, who is still Echo good Freddy. friends of ours. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then... They were but, a Ma- Manchester sort of pop-punk band. Yeah, they right? were a lot yeah. poppier than we were. At yeah. that point, because we started off quite pop-punk, pop-punky, like Atari-y sort of stuff. Yeah. That, and then yeah. we kind of evolved into like a little bit post hardcore I suppose. We were getting into bands like Thrice and Brand New and stuff like that. Um, yeah. 
we don't talk about brand new ones. Yeah, I know. <laughs> they're, they're conveniently forgot about by all the people that love them. I, I, as, as someone who's never a big fan, I'm just like, why are well, you guys talking about them? This is no. the thing. I was never a big fan of brand new ones. <laughs> Isn't that what everyone said? No, I'm joking. Yeah. Yeah. No, but like, I honestly wasn't. And then like, I had that first album. And then when like... Paul reviewed the punk. Uh, the I punk still remember game. reading his that review. review. He's like, "These guys listen to brand new a lot." It's like, "No, I yeah, don't. Yeah. <laughs> I really don't." I was like, "This is saves a day." <laughs> <laughs> saves a day, Ataris, maybe a bit of thrice, but like not brand new. <laughs> so, so was it just uh, you and Echo Freddy? Was the Maple yeah. State involved in in this? At this we time? did play a show with those guys. I think. Yeah. I think like because they were from are they near Manchester? As yeah, well? yeah, that's that's. I one think we ended up yeah. playing like a hometown gig with those guys. You know well. they're active again. Oh really? Yeah, oh, incredible. So like I um I write for some you know I write for that dying scene website yeah. sometimes and I I picked up a couple of things in the dying scene inbox from from them and they're they're kind of it's like sort of straightforward indie now. I don't know if that was what they were about back in the day, but yeah, oh, okay. They yeah, cool. relatively active again. How old are they now? I can't imagine. <laughs> I don't know. I think they're, they're probably like a couple of years younger than me. Yeah, so, yeah. So like that. Late thirties. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, oh, cool! I'll have to check them out then. Yeah, do. Yeah. I was. Yeah, like the stuff I listened to. I shared a couple of stories about them. And I thought it was it was decent. Oh, nice. Um. Anyway, so yeah, you're saying so it was you and Echo Freddy. And yeah, like, and then like um off the back of that tour. Uh, Echo Freddy ended up getting put on uh, Punktastic's fledgling label. Yeah, I remember. Um, and we didn't, which was, it was a fair cop because Punktastic couldn't take a punt on a less poppy band. Oh, so, okay. So did that Paul guy like kind of basically he was, say that to he you? He was trying to weigh it up between the two, two, the two of us. And then yeah. like, um, he was like, I love you guys, but for our first signing, we've got to have That'd like a, quite a poppy yeah. band. Yeah. How and well like, did they do in the end? I don't remember. They did a bunch of decent shows with like, do you remember that band Sugar Cult? Of course. They went yeah. on tour with Sugar Cult. Oh, they did a tour with Sugar Cult, yeah. Um, can't remember now. I kind of zoned out after that. After that tour, yeah. Um, the other two guys, or Pete and Tom, just decided that they had enough of like slogging it out. And I was about to get married at the time as yeah. well. So like, it was kind of about a good time to wrap it up. So, yeah, and then like none of us did any bands for a little while afterwards, but I ended up forming an indie band in London shortly afterwards called Cable Street Spy Club. Yeah, I've got, look, I've got I'm good remembering all this stuff, Gary. I've got that written here. <laughs> um, I wanted to, I don't know if I've ever spoken to you about, I must have done, but I remember Al, like a, a mutual old friend of yours and mine, uh, Alan, telling me this. And so I've written it. So this, I think, slots in timeline-wise before Cable Street Spy Club, but... Is it true you had a chance to join the Ordinary Boys just before they blew up and you t- turned it down? Or is that just... Uh, yeah, well, this, this kept happening to me. So, yeah, like, I remember, like... So, like... Not, you, I'm not, I'm, I hate not, to say... I, yeah. This sounds awful. I don't want to sound arrogant or anything. But, like... Because I'm friends with Scuttle now. Do you remember Scuttle? Post-hardcore band from Brighton? Yeah, I remember, yeah. I used to, like, worship those guys and they were on, like, John Peel once. And I was like, wow! Like, <laughs> How did post-hardcore band go on John Peel? And it turns out John Peel just pays anything sometimes. But, <laughs> um, but we played a bunch of shows with those guys and I thought they were brilliant. Yeah. And then I got an email from, who's now my friend Burton, saying would you be interested in trying out for the guitar place in Scuttle? Mm-hmm. And I was loyal to Poindexter, so I said no. What what, what point in Poindest, 
when Dexter history was that was before we did the album okay so and then relatively early yeah yeah okay they asked me if I'd try out and I said no and um and then um the ordinary boys I was friends with those guys because they did actually used to be a very reputable post-hardcore band I remember well not even post-hardcore melodic hardcore late many years later I would get into uh, Lifetime and I realised exactly where they got their sound from (laughs) but they sounded exactly like Jersey's Best Dancers yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. that's basically been my blueprint for like so many punk bands since then yeah yeah. and then like um, unlike a lot of the other people in the punk scene they like lots of Britpop and the Smiths and stuff Stuff like that, yeah. They're named after like a of course Morrissey song, and I was a, a big Smiths fan. I think I just yeah. bumped into him in a cafe once in Brighton, and they were like, "Do you want to see my new tattoo?" And then it was like Viva Hate on his toes or something, and I was like, oh, yeah, "I've I've got a Smiths tattoo," and I rolled my sleeve yeah, up, and I, I remember like, when you got that, yeah. yeah, the boy with the thorn in his side, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And then they're like, "Whoa, you like the Smiths? Let's be friends." And then um, and then I stay friends with them. I'm still friends with a couple of them now. You still um, friends with uh, um, Sam? Yeah, Sam. Yeah, I see every now and then. Like he lives in Brixton now. Does he still? Um, I, 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 did he have a career like as a songwriter after all? Yeah, like, he's doing really well as a songwriter now. Yeah. Like he, I remember like John Feldman once tweeting about arm with Sam. Sam Preston oh, right. writing some songs and stuff. So well, I, thought, I remember he's thinking, done, oh, <laughs> he's je- done a load. Of, yeah, <laughs> he's done a load of cool stuff. Like he wrote a song for Cher. He wrote. Really? So, yeah, oh, he wrote yeah. that. Well, like he wrote that song "Heart Skips a Beat" by Oli Murs, and then that got him a platinum record. And then, oh, like, because okay. uh, it did really well in like loads of other countries. Yeah. And then, like, so he's uh, ultimately made a decent. Yeah, music. he just works for like a songwriting think tank sort of thing. Oh, but, like, very cool. um, but yeah, and then Charlie, who was the original drummer of the Ordinary Boys. I uh, stayed friends with him, and then we had a hardcore band last year together called Agony Art. Yeah, I remember. I remember mm. you um, posting about that. We're like dad friends because we both got kids and we live near each other, oh, so okay. we take the kids nice. down the park together and stuff. Nice, like that. nice. Um, so yeah, um, and then there was a point where Sam asked me if I would consider joining the Ordinary Boys when they remodelled. But well, so what point was this? Was this before they had their success? Yeah, so before they reflect reformed into an indie like a mod indie yeah. band yeah, yeah yeah he asked me if i would consider it and then i think i just said no again was it just out of lo- loyalty slash optimism that poindexter was kind of going places or? it was more loyalty than optimism with poindexter i yeah. wouldn't i wasn't really reaching for the heights okay and also i liked what we were doing in poindexter yeah and if to be honest, if Sam had said, oh, we're going to stick to the post-hardcore stuff, uh, do you want to join? I would have said, yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I didn't want to be in an indie band at the time. <laughs> so, do you, like, looking back now, do you, or, or even at the time when they started to obviously have that success, were you like, thinking... Oh, I was man, slightly like, kicking myself right, because that yeah. first Ordinary Boys record, I actually really like. Yeah, like okay. It is quite moddy indie, but it was right at the time when like all that, quite a lot of all right... Indie was coming out, you know, like Franz Ferdinand and things like that. And like, yeah, yeah. We, were, we were all hanging out at indie clubs. We we're just playing all those records yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like, but to be yeah. honest, I don't really know how valid that offer actually was. Oh, okay, fair. <laughs> but it's really weird because I remember, you know, I remember the, the, the first version of The Ordinary Boys and, you know, I thought that was it. And then I just remember one day, like my dad coming in having watched, he was watching Soccer AM and saying, oh, do you know a band called The Ordinary Boys? And I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah they just to- totally transformed 
But I yeah. used to adore them when they were a post-hardcore band. Uh, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I remember. It wasn't just because I thought they were great people. Yeah. It was just because I thought that their music was absolutely amazing. They were like one they of the catchy songs. Yeah, like, like they were just, you know, I saw them a whole bunch of times in those days. And it was like uh, as I came to understand, it was basically just Lifetime. But like, <laughs> yeah. um, but I love Lifetime. <laughs> so that's not a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Okay, cool. All right, thanks. You satisfied my curiosity with that one. Um, yeah, you were talking about Poindexter being over, and then, and this, did you say this was in London? This, when you formed this indie band, came Yeah, Street, so, yeah. So I, um, so I was going to get married, and then I moved in with my fiance in London. Yeah. And I was. Where in London were you living at the time? I was in Bethel Green. Oh, okay. Quite it's, near to where we, yeah, where we are in Stratford right now, yeah. Bethnal Green was really rough back then. This oh, was really? Like, even Bethnal Green was. Yeah, like there was like a there was like a nice middle class side and yeah. a really rough side. Like the left hand side of Bethnal Green High Road was the posh bit. Yeah, and the right hand side of Bethnal Green High Road was like the rough bit. Oh, okay. And then like there was so ethnically diverse on the streets. Yeah. In terms of like really nice little stalls and stuff like that and shops and things and little um just like market stalls and stuff. And then we, I remember just going for a little investigative pub crawl down Bethnal Green High Road. Yeah. Every single pub was just full of really nasty, like, right-wing white dudes who were, like, really oh, horrible. And I was like, oh, I don't know how what to make of the integration here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fuck. But yeah, I ended up getting really bummed out first while I was living there because I was skint. And then, like, I made a friend with, uh, with a guy called John who wanted to form a band with me and he wanted to do an indie band. We weren't very good. Yeah. But, like, I thought the songs were really good and, like, did all right. And then the band kind of imploded after a bit of an argument between a couple of people in the band. Were you involved in that argument? No. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, that was a shame. Yeah. And then I had a bit of time out from doing bands, started DJing a lot yeah like do it like had my own like indie club where i put like bands on and things punk had kind of disappeared for quite a while like in between 2007 and 2006 and 2008 there was no punk anywhere yeah well like everyone started wearing trilbies and shit and like (laughs) you know like well i i I, yeah i i feel like yeah you certainly from you know post-hardcore or pop punk or whatever like around that time like you're right um the alternative music world here was quite distant from it, and like, I remember like whenever I'd see you because you know I'm an I'm a nerd with like my pop punk, yeah, just, yeah like consistent. But if I referenced it like any bands that were happening at the time, you're just like, oh, <laughs> well, the, the thing like everyone just dropped off the radar. I mean, you weren't a dick about it, or yeah. Anything. Like, oh no, no, many no. other people I've known, but yeah, I've never made fun of pop punk because I no, never no, forget no, where I come not. from. Yeah, yeah, yeah and like no, here I, I am back in the fold you. anyway, but like. <laughs> yeah. um uh yeah, it's weird because around the same time as when like Panic at the Disco and Fallout Boy were just getting big. Yeah. And then, and I suppose like when Taking Back Sunday finally blew up and stuff like that. Yeah. It was just totally off my radar for a while. Mm-hmm. But then I kind of got back into it off the back of, um, so I used to DJ Club Enemy in Brighton for a while. Oh yeah. And then after I got approached by a girl at, um, I was having a fag in the smoking area outside and she was like, oh, do you know any guitarists? I'm looking for a guitarist. And I was like, oh, I play guitar. And she was like, oh, do you like, um, what sort of bands do you like? And I was like, I don't know. Like, um, I used to play in a post-hardcore band. And they're like, oh, that's brilliant. Oh, do you like Biffy Clyro? And I was like, 
<laughs> not really, but I like other sort of po- like alternative like emo bands, like you know Jimmy Eat World and like stuff like that. And she's like, "Oh, that sounds perfect." And then she was like, "Do you like Scottish bands? Like what sort of Scottish bands?" Like, and I was like. At the time, I was thinking, oh, like Teenage Fan Club and like mm. C86 band, brilliant. Jesus and Mary Chain, yeah. And then she just meant like Biffy Clyro and Twilight Sad and stuff. <laughs> okay. But I ended up trying out for their band and then ended up getting the place. And this was Telegraph. Tele- I, I assume that's yeah. where this was going. And then. Oh, okay. They all thought I was some kind of reprobate because when I met them, I had a tooth missing because I'd fallen over. A st- it was at Luke. From not Katie's stag do, yeah, and I yeah, fell yeah. over Luke and I Hefson? Luke Hefson, yes, 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 sir. And I fell over and I yeah. smashed my front teeth out. <laughs> <laughs> I saw you. I remember like uh, meeting you for a drink, like not long after that, when I had the tooth missing. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah, man! Yeah. Well, didn't you say like you were walking along with someone like arm in arm? Like yeah, it was me and singing, me and Luke were skipping. Oh, it was, Luke, up, it was yeah. actually Luke. Me and okay. Luke were skipping up the street. <laughs> yeah, and yeah. then we started skipping faster and faster, and then one of us hit the deck or tripped, and we both ate shit on the floor. Yeah, Luke landed on his this... eye, and like, and his his wife was going to kill him for having a black eye. Which did actually go down by the time of the wedding. Okay. But then, uh, she, like, someone sent her a photo the next day of Luke with his black eye. And she's like, oh, my God, you bastards. What have you done to him? And she's like, and then they were like, you should see Gary. <laughs> and then they sent a photo of my face. And I had no teeth in my front. <laughs> Fuck me. And then, um, and then she's like, oh. That yeah, sounds not so bad. Fucking horrible. Yeah, that it was, so it was shit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then... Um, but I had three of them replaced straight away, but I had to wait for one of them because I'd totally done a number on it and I had to have a root canal and stuff. <laughs> um, and then during that time is when I met Telegraphs and yeah. then they they offered me a chance to be in their band. And it was really, really fun. Like, yeah. they were going places and like I hadn't actually... Were they... For, oh, sorry, before I ask this question, mm. I should just say... Um, if If the listener can hear anything weird in the background, it's because my next door neighbour... Uh, like I think she's in some sort of folk band and like <laughs> I must be once a month it's always on the fucking Tuesday I hear like drums coming through the wall is it like that that show Love where like um, Gus has <laughs> people around the house it's, and do <laughs> it's funny you say that right so I mean, to be fair to her it must be I, I was worried it was going to be every Tuesday and it must be like once a month or something because like there was a Tuesday like some weeks ago now and and uh, my I was watching TV with Parisha, my my girlfriend, and uh, and it was just driving us mad. And I, you know, I had to go and do the awkward things. Like, can you turn it down? Cause she's, uh, she's very nice, my neighbour. But then she was like, "Oh, can you give us ten more minutes?" Uh, Half an hour goes oh, by, man. still going. Knock on the door. She doesn't answer this time, <laughs> and that really pissed me off. Um, I mean, I, she I, hasn't done it since then. But I was I was really yeah. pissed off that night, and that's what I was thinking about. <laughs> I was thinking about Gus, but I was like, yeah. I wonder. Making up theme tunes to f- films that don't have a that's theme it, tune. That's it. Which is that, which is so awesome. I, I really enjoyed that show. Yeah, I um, love that show. Yeah, Although so the good. longer it goes on, you realise that Gus is actually a prick. Yeah. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then like Mick, you, if you. Th- well, I think they're both mixed. I think fundamentally, yeah. I don't think either of them are a prick, but I think they're both know, quite they're, flawed. They have but both it, have big flaws. The, the prickness drifts way towards Gus towards the end. Yeah, I think. I feel like I, we're. I, like, I think. Yeah, we're, yeah. Th- this is too much of a tangent, but yeah, we're digressing a, a little there. bit. <laughs> but yeah, so anyway, if that's what you can, if you, uh, hopefully it's not coming through, but that's that's what it is. We should so, go and have a jam later. <laughs> yeah, <we should. laughs> 
Sorry, Gary. Um, so we, yeah. So with the tele- telegraphs, they were quite established at this point. Then um, they were in the infancies of being established, so they were charging it at full steam with like proper. So they just recorded an album with Dave Erringer, who uh, was quite significant in the Britpop years. Of like oh, he'd okay. done like Manix albums, Idlewild. You used to like Idlewild, didn't you? I did. Yeah. I did. Yeah. And I the, was like, kind of, my reco- face was glazing over when you said Manix, but then yeah, yeah. Idlewild, and I was like, oh, they had some. They yeah, had he, some he recorded tunes. nearly yeah. every Idlewild album. Oh, cool. And okay. then, um, and so, and a bunch of other stuff in in the nineties as well. Yeah. And um, and so I listened to the album. It was really good. And so I joined the band, and then basically they were pitching to booking agencies and things like that, and mm-hmm. like. Scoping out big labels and things, so um, and they're doing a lot of industry networking and stuff like that. So, I kind of joined at a really good time because yeah. from the word dot, we started getting really good shows. Like, went on tour with the Datsuns, yeah. went on tour with like um, what kind of what kind of venues were you playing with the Datsuns? Like bigish ones. Like um, we played the Concord in Brighton, and yeah, then cool. we played. These are, that was like my first show with them. It was like playing a Concord oh, in wow. Brighton. Like a, to a fairly substantial <coughs> Yeah, that's like 600 cap. And yeah. then we played uh, the Wedgwood Rooms in Portsmouth on yeah. that tour and stuff. And then it kind of like imploded after, or, or exploded after a while because we did a couple of littler tours in the beginning of the year. And then by mid-2009, we had a really good booking agent that turned yeah. out to be our manager as well. And yeah. she was really kind to us. And she knew I loved loads of like emo and post hardcore yeah, from yeah, like yeah. the yeah. late nineties, early two thousands. So all of a sudden we're going on tour with like rival schools yeah, this and is get up I'm... kids. Yeah. And yeah. like Thursday and Poison the Well. And I'm like, holy Poison shit. The well. oh, before like I definitely got a bunch of questions asked about this era of the telegraphs, but um <laughs> We we, we went down like a lead shit at all those shows. But... <laughs> <laughs> I remember you telling me <laughs> Can I tell you a really fun fact about Poison the Well? But you know I play in a band called Fintan Fintan Stack. Obviously yeah. named after the Father fun... Fintan Stack from Father Ted. Exactly. The character <laughs> yeah. from Father Ted. So Was he the one that impregnated everyone? Or was no, he no. no he was the one, he was like he replaced Father Jack because Father Jack oh, had yeah, no yeah. hands and had to go off. <laughs> and he was like worse than Father Jack. Oh, yeah. really I know it's the milkman. Who, yeah, the that's milkman the milkman. You're thinking of the milkman. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> but the actor slash comedian who plays Fintan Stack, he's quite famous in Ireland for being a, a comic there. Yeah. But uh, his son's one of the guys in Poison the Well. What? <laughs> no, his yeah. son is in Poison the Well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That is absolutely cool is genius. That? <laughs> yeah. That's a golden factoid. Yeah. <laughs> how is how the geography alone? How um, so? Like, so he lived in America for many many years. So oh. his his son, who I think is about the same age as me, was like sort of born and raised in America. Mm. Uh, okay. So I think when he was playing Fintan Stack, he was probably you know based in America for the most part. But yeah, that is absolutely cool incredible. Yeah. Fintan Stack's son <laughs> is in Poison the World. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah, I've got. I, funny I just st- so so now you know why I felt that. Yeah. Share that fact. <laughs> so I have a funny story about um, poison the well. Yeah. Oh yeah, please, um, please, please. So yeah, I didn't really that. see meet them very well. well. I didn't meet them very well. Um, I didn't really get to hang out with them properly. But um, we did three shows with them on the last leg of a UK bit of a Thursday tour. Oh yeah, which ended at the in Nottingham. At the rescue rooms, is it rescue rooms? It's next to Rock City. I can't remember now. Um, but yeah, 
we decided to, all of the bands decided to stick around and party because it was the last day of the tour. Mm-hmm. And uh, the rescue rooms turns into like a student club afterwards. Like it is like a big bit next door. And uh, it was November. And everybody right. at the time had beards because like we'd all been on tour for ages and no one had been bothered to shave. There was a guy sitting around the back of like, it was basically like a sponsored Movember night. And uh, he was getting people to shave. He had a beard trimmer and a, a barber's chair and he was getting <laughs> people to shave moustaches. Right. And um, so like... Tucker out of um, Thursday did his beard, and then Darcy out of Telegraph. Did he's his, a singer, right? Yeah, he's a singer. Yeah, yeah. Did his beard, and like they all had handlebar mustaches. <laughs> I did, I refused because <laughs> I think I was sober. And then like yeah. the guys out of Poison the Well did as well, but I don't even think they were drinking, and they were oh, really? really mad about it. They were going, "Stop looking at, me, stop laughing at me! I look like a fucking asshole! I look like an <laughs> asshole!" <laughs> And they're like, they're just getting their beard shaved into handlebar moustaches. And then we all had photos taken afterwards. Yeah. And those dudes out of Poison the Well were just not impressed in the slightest. Which is like, I look like, stop laughing at me. I look like a fucking asshole. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you'd think yeah. uh, he'd be a little more, uh, take himself less seriously having the yeah. guy like Fintan Stack. But, <laughs> yeah. I don't know which, I don't know if it was Fintan Stack's son. But, like, <laughs> maybe it was. Uh, what was it like talking with the Get Out Kids? How many shows did you do with um, them? I only did one in the end. So basically... in Germany or somewhere? Yeah, it was in yeah. Frankfurt. Yeah. And um, so we had a split tour in Germany where we did four dates with uh, rival schools, four date, or three dates with Thursday, and then mm. we ended up doing a UK run with Thursday as well. Okay. Um, but we had a day off in between, and our booking agent, basically, she knew I loved the Get Up Kids because she'd already got me into the very first Get Up Kids reunion show at Kingston Peel. And then yeah, um, she at was Kingston like... Kingston Peel? Yeah. That was cool. And then she was like, I've got a surprise for you, Gary. Your day off, you're going to be supporting Get Up Kids. Oh, <laughs> like Frankfurt Batch Cat. And I was like, oh my God, that is absolutely rad. <laughs> so, but... Was it... A, you said you you guys didn't go down that well at these... I don't know. I think we did actually go... For those shows, we did actually go down all right. Okay, but like um, when you were playing them, obviously that must have been amazing, but at the same time, were you thinking, I wish there was Poindexter doing this? <laughs> a you little know, bit. A little bit. Although, I don't think Poindexter would ever have been allowed to do that. No, 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 no of course. Of um, course. But, yeah, I don't know. Like, like Telegraphs are an emo band as well. Yeah, so, like, yeah, yeah. I probably wouldn't have been in them otherwise. No, um, fair, fair. But then... Yeah, like, I think the the shows that we didn't go down that well were for, like, rival schools because mm-hmm. they were expecting heavier, yeah, sort yeah. of, a heavier support act. And then also the shows that we did with Thursday and Poison the Well, yeah. like, they were expecting, like, a heavier support act yeah. and stuff. Yeah, I'm not surprised. Um, but the Gap Kids one was fine, and we were main support that day. There was a German band below us, and then, like, um, and then we played. It was a really good day, even though it was, like, the hottest day of the year. It was, like, unbearably yeah. hot. yeah. But and the thing is, I was quite disappointed to find out that the Gap Kids weren't very talkative at all. Like, uh, okay, I, I remember. So I remember you telling me not long after it, like they weren't very talkative with each other. Like, yeah, you know, like the, they um, were like what's, what, uh, Matt Matt Pryor is it? That's the main singer, isn't it? Yeah, and then him and the other guy, like they had to have separate dressing rooms and stuff. So like Jim's, well, they had their own dressing room, but the buffet was in our dressing room because. Okay. Um, there was no room for it in there. So we had like a long table in our dressing room because it was the one right. closest to the stage. And and Jim Stuptick spent the whole time in there with us. 
Like, yes, that I because, and the others are all now. in the in the other their own room with it on their laptops and not talking to each other. And then Jim was just in the other room talking to us. Um, and I don't think they really got along with him that well. Oh, I see. It was very yeah. early. That, I don't even know what the circumstances was around, like the get up kids separation. Yeah, yeah. But um, I get the impression there's some tensions within that band. Yeah. Um, yeah. So there's obviously guys in that band who stayed close and stuff, but like. I think Jim Suptic's always always been on the periphery a little bit, but I think that's pretty much where my nerdery about like Get Up Kids stops. Right, okay. <laughs> but I still have a frame. Was he the one who started Blackpool Lights? Did you ever hear them? Oh, no, I don't think I heard them. But I think but, that um, was his one. I still have a framed fo- uh, print of the um, the gig poster from that oh, that cool. show like, that's in cool. my house because they had some. They were taking all the posters down while we were sound checking so they could rotate them for the future acts, sure. uh, future bands so and stuff. Sure I was like, you've got to spare one of those. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So when, when did Telegraph split up? Because um, these shows you were talking about, the yeah, because that was, this is about 09, isn't it? Yeah. yeah. And then so how much we, longer did it go on? So maybe that? another, well, we made it till about like halfway through uh, 2010. Yeah. So, um, what, yeah, what went wrong there? Uh, well, the beginning of the year was started to a strong start, went on tour with Thrice, and really, yeah, and then like, what was that um, like? it was it was good, the shows were really good, but um, it was kind of uh, a little bit black clouded because the reason um, they had a fill in guitarist called Nate who was from a band called The Deer Hunter mm. because Tepe Tiranishi's mum had taken ill and okay. was on death's door basically. So, right. um, so yeah, they the other guys were nice enough but like they just weren't in very high spirits because they were worried about their friend. They're all like childhood friends. And oh, stuff I see. Like okay. So, um, and so Tepe couldn't be there with them for the first time ever like on any of their tours. Um but yeah, the shows were pretty cool and um, we got to know those guys quite well. And we actually went down quite well because around that time, Thrice were doing a lot of introverted stuff. And uh, we had this other band, We Are The Ocean, lumped onto the tour last oh, yeah. minute. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And We Are The Ocean are very similar to Alexis On Fire a mm. bit. But they were, we found that they were actually, weren't actually going down that well because they were too heavy and like a lot of the people who were coming to those shows were interested in Thrice's newer direction. Okay. So like, it's not really that common when you, people go to a Thrice show and they want everyone to play Deadbolt or something like that. Right. Like, although they do play Deadbolt. <laughs> right, okay. And yeah, I actually yeah, really yeah. like their early stuff, but, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but everyone wants to hear all their nerdy things like Major Minor and, and this was the Beggars tour that we were doing. So we actually went down quite well on that tour. But then shortly after that, um, we were basically pitching higher and higher, but not really making enough of a ripple. And like we do, we after the first album came out on Small Town Records, but then we were trying oh, to. Yeah, I remember Small Town Records. We auditioned we were for on one of their their very first ever comp. Yeah, they anyway, sorry, they're a pretty solid label. Like I'm still friends with those guys. Um, but um, yeah, Telegraph were kind of aspiring a little bit higher and. I wasn't really privy to the conversations, but like we were end up pitching to like quite big labels and things, but then getting overlooked a lot. And then it came down to whether we should remodel or push through. And then everyone wanted to remodel, but I kind of didn't. So what, what, in what kind of 
way did they want to remodel? What direction? So we basically the whole time I'd been in the band, we'd been writing a new album, and we'd yeah. pretty much ninety percent there. And then um, I think everyone just wanted to start again, and I wasn't ready to do that really. Okay, fair. But I have no like bad blood with any of those guys, and you they're still like, friends with them. Yeah, yeah, they're all like intimate family, really. Like oh, we nice. all really care about each That's other. Cool. Still. Like, but. Sadly, the only times we really get together these days is when one of us gets married. Oh, but, like, yeah, yeah. but that seems to be happening all the time lately, which is good. <laughs> so there's so, a few get togethers. Yeah. So yeah. Um, so like, yeah, we're still okay. in fair, relatively good touch. Um, and yeah, and like, I don't think there was any bad, but I think eventually just the money ran out, really. Like we couldn't just sure. keep pour, chucking money at it, really. Um, and as much as I love Telegraphs, the whole experience kind of soured my interaction with sort of mid-level record industry stuff okay yeah i was just like these guys don't care about us these guys don't really know what's gonna be big next they're just clutching at straws and like you're like it's really heartbreaking when you're in a band that's chucking everything at it yeah and then you're confronted by people that hold all the cards who don't really know very much about anything and then like but they know people and that's the only that's commodity. It. yeah it's the only commodity and it's just like, well, this is rubbish. And then like after Telegraph split up. Eager teeth. Yeah, eager teeth. Yeah. So that was pretty soon afterwards, I feel like. Quite soon. It's yeah. less than a year afterwards, I think. Because um, it was still twenty ten when yeah. when you, you started Eager Teeth, but I remember. So that was the brainchild of my ex housemate Aaron, who's one of my best friends. Oh, is he the one who was in um This City. This city who yeah. on Epitaph. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Um a, there's many a story about Aaron, this city and Epitaph that he would love to tell you. <laughs> any, not podcast friendly or Um no, he just used to like going on about it. <laughs> oh I see. <laughs> oh I see what you mean, sorry. Uh yeah, I don't blame him. Sorry, um, Aaron. <laughs> so you still you still good mates with him? I, yeah, I remember yeah. him. He was yeah, he Yeah, yeah he's he a good, good guy. Good guy yeah. Um but he basically left this city semi acrimoniously and he kind of wanted to do something better and then he was just but he's like basically he got our friend Mike to do a really decent video for us for one of their songs yeah called Lights Out and then oh, yeah, um, yeah and then off the back of that we got signed to a management company and then we got signed to a record label and then yeah what label was that it was a Wolf at Your Door yeah that was it I so there we shared yeah. we were with like Death Havana and like yeah, uh, what are they called um Lone Atlantis oh, yeah. and yeah, yeah. things like that. But yeah, that was good going for a while. The thing that I was trying to do with Eager Teeth, because I did write a fair bit of it, I was just trying to stick two fingers up at all the people that annoyed me in the, in <laughs> right. the record industry that okay. I met previously in Telegraphs. Yeah. I was like, you guys are knobs. I'm going to make fun of you as much as I can. So I lo- lo- lots of little wry digs in lyrics and things. Oh, like really? With people like that. But no one really got the point. And then like... Um, and then we recorded our record with uh, Tom Michener and Steve Sears, who were both played in the band Spycatcher, but were also both producers. Okay. And did the first Gallows record without Frank Carter. Uh, okay. And they yeah. did, well, they've done every Gallows record after that. Oh, and right, then they've right. done, um, and Mitch is also in um, Frank Carter and the Rattlesnakes as oh, well. Oh, wow. Okay. But um, all of those records were done in Mitch's back garden, which is like amazing. Really? His dad is like an old muso from the yeah, 60s. Yeah. And he um, 
he converted their garage into like a fully functioning studio. <laughs> but it it was just at the foot of their garden. You just walked to the other end of their garden and their house was there. So we had to keep using the toilet in the house and like his mum would be cooking dinner and stuff <laughs> like that. And then like, I can imagine like uh, Wade McNeil from Alexis on Fire, like sleeping on Mitch's that's, bedroom yeah, that's floor. Quite surreal, <laughs> and, then, like, <laughs> and then like having to go, oh, sorry, Mr. Mitch, can I use a toilet? <laughs> but yeah, that was a fun experience. Um, but yeah, that I was, I, I was happy with that record. Um, but after a while, Eager Teeth started spiralling towards the same industry crap. And Oh, that must have been frustrating. Yeah, there was what? a couple of incidents that really soured me from ever yeah, getting on. involved again. Like, um, uh, So, yeah, do you remember Front Magazine? Yeah. During Telegraph's years yeah. and also in Eager Teeth, they were like quite strong allies of ours. They were like... okay. Always gave us good props, always gave us good reviews. And we got a lot of coverage in Telegraph through like um, Front Magazine. They yeah. gave us like that new band spread, double spread. And then like we appeared in a couple of their other magazines as well. And then Eager Teeth got a double spread in Front Magazine, which yeah. is cool. <clears throat> but they do this thing on it in the article, which is just made up called Musical Maths. And it's like a little uh, infographic of how you get to this band. It's like so, like for fans of type thing. Yeah, okay, okay. And I can't remember what the Telegraph's one was, but um, Front Magazine's one was like Brighton times punk rock. No, no. Punk rock times Brighton minus the gay scene equals eager tea. Oh, wow, okay. And I was like, why the fuck did you say that? Yeah, yeah, It was like, yeah. at the time I was like, we had a lot of like queer friends and things like that, and yeah. like we were like, "What the hell are you doing? You're making us look like homophobes." Yeah. And then, um, and our manager at the time was like, "Oh no, no, don't upset them. Don't no, no, like um, you are, don't, like don't, I know you're like angry, but just recognise that they're doing you a solid by like giving oh. you props in the industry." And it's like I wasn't pleased with that at all, um, and I had to seek out all yeah. my all my sort of queer friends in Brighton. Like, look. If you if you see this, please know that we had nothing to do with it. It's like yeah. it's obviously got nothing to do with you guys. Aren't you fucking livid that they've done this to you? Because yeah. they make you look like homophobes. And I was furious. And it really that, does. Yeah. Like, yeah. The more like, I'm why would you about, even yeah. say that? And I wanted them to put, print a retraction, and then like um, everyone was and, and other people in the band were saying like, no, don't do that. Like you'll annoy them. It's like wh- why do we have to be chummy with people who are trying to sabotage us and you might not even see it as sabotage but like and that's when I started realising how sort of heteronormative fucking toxic male like right, okay. that whole scene actually is and it yeah, made me yeah. feel really angry and fucking annoyed and like it's like why am yeah, I fucking doing this and then like and then I tried to do a couple of little stupid protests like um, we played a front show at Old Blue Last and I decided to wear a queer sailor's outfit and um, had a hanky hanging out in my back pocket. Mm-hmm. No one really noticed. No. <laughs> okay. um, but um, I think it just coincided with my normal look. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, it just annoyed me, that whole thing. And then after Aaron left, Aaron was struggling because... Uh, why did Aaron leave? Uh, we were on the verge of releasing the album. Yeah. But everyone had kind of grown tired. Because you thought, like, I think he was still in the band when you did, like, 
Because you talked with like set your goals and yeah. stuff, didn't you? Like, so that, that was a really that, that good tour, cool. actually. Yeah, set your goals are really nice people, and yeah. like, um, but I stay friends with more of a mixtape. Yeah, she's she now doing a band with Mike Park. Yeah, and um, which is super cool. So I'm supporting Mike Park. Yes, you are. I uh, did see o- this. O- yeah, Ogakube Station. That's at, it. Yeah, um, uh, and Dan Pothast at uh, the Prince Albert um, in awesome. June. It should be good. But yeah, but um, it was just because I stayed in touch with Maura that like I even mm-hmm. found out about her doing stuff with Mike Park. Yeah, it's but, cool. It's cool that you like remain proper friends with her. I, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but I feel like when I went over to yours for dinner a few years ago, you you said that oh yeah, Maura came around the other week and stuff. Yeah, and yeah, because like, oh, so yeah, her you really did stay friends, you know. Yeah, so her dad lived in England for a while, right? And um, through his work or something like that, and then. His daughters were living in America, but he part of his work deal was that he gets free, fr- like his kids could have free flights to England anytime they wanted to visit him. Oh, okay. so they would come to visit England every now and then. And he was living just outside of London or something like that. So, um, Maura came in so to visit me just after that. I'd had a baby, so oh, okay, and came That's to meet cool. the baby. And, um, so yeah, so the, the set your goals tour was actually really good, okay. Um, yeah. It was really nice to meet those guys. Um, I was already on the hesitant side of like, oh, how douchey is this industry? Like twat bags in the scene and like fans who like exploit their position and stuff yeah. like that. And they weren't really like that because they were like such a bunch of nerds. Like, <laughs> right. They're like a really odd bunch. <laughs> yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. And then like, um, and mixtapes are kind of like a bunch of nerds as well. Right. And I just kind of felt right at home. And yeah. then like, we started doing this thing on tour where we'd cover teenage dirtbag. I remember Absolute <laughs> Punk promoting that like, at the time. Like, yeah, I was like, oh, it's fucking Gary on the bass. Yeah. <laughs> well, this is it was it was uh, Ryan from Mixtapes Idea. Yeah, and then nobody else wanted to do it except for uh, Junior from. Oh, not Junior. Um, yeah, it was Junior from um, Set Your Goals. Yeah, and me. <laughs> so, um, so it was just mixtapes without their bassist, and then. Um, Junior from Set Your Goals and Me, but Junior didn't even know how to play it properly and he kept like get, getting it wrong all the time. I remember um, that, like, at the time, that being on the news on Absolute Punk and, like, um, people, yeah. and that was weird because, like, it was, like, members of Eager Teeth mixtapes and Set Your Goals. And I'm like, it's just Gary there. And then yeah. in the comments underneath... I know, Soupy from Wonder oh, Years. Yeah. It's like, going, <laughs> yeah, yeah. no Will the, Blood the then. It's like, Will Blood. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Because how, like, how come he knew Will Blood? So Will used to be friends with Wonder Years and Story So Far, maybe, and oh, right, yeah. and Set Your Goals. Okay. Because his old band Chaos Days. Were, oh, was he like, in Chaos Days? Yeah. Oh, My okay. favourite UK pop punk band ever. <laughs> <laughs> they had some good tunes. I absolutely love Chaos Days. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, in the chronology of Eager Teeth, Ollie replaced Aaron. Ollie went on to be in... Creeper, mm-hmm. good for him. And then um, Ollie was the drummer, um, the, the brother of our drummer Nick. Okay. Nick was also in this city, and Nick is now the singer of All Better. Right. Um, but then things kind of ground to a halt with Eager Teeth. I was having a baby. There seems to be a significant problem with me and big life events and fans <laughs> coming to an end. Yeah. I got married, so Poindexter ended, I had a baby, and Eager Teeth ended. <laughs> yeah. I think everyone just ran out of steam after a while. And then um, 
I don't know. It was quite disheartening when um, our manager decided to swap to his other projects that he was like more interested in, okay. invested in, and then like. Um, but yeah, we were struggling to get the attention of our label and, and our manager, and it was annoying me. And then everyone in the band was like getting frustrated with it. And I did a naughty hustle, and um, we'd already been instructed by our like well. After we recorded our album, before before we released it, uh, I wanted to demo some new songs that I'd written. Yeah. And um, so we went to Neil Kennedy in the ranch and um, and I sh- sent them to our label and I was like, would you like, to- I'd like to hit the ground running. I thought it'd be my nice idea to do a quick succession release after the album, like yeah. an EP or something. Yeah, yeah. And they're like, no, we're going to see how the album like progresses on, on its uh, own. First. <laughs> want to get like, they don't really understand about zeitgeist stuff and things like that. They just want to like, let everything do its natural thing. Yeah. And then let all the buzz disappear. Christ. And then like, don't really give any kudos to productive bands at all. Like, just want to go on tour instead. But like, um, and so they were ignoring me for ages and I got really annoyed. And this was after Aaron had left and it was all down to me to try and get their attention. So I deliberately leaked our um, <laughs> our demos that we did via Punktastic and put it on a compilation. And then instantly our label rang me up going, what the hell you done <laughs> They were not happy. And our manager was like, what the hell you done <laughs> But it had the desired effect. But um, no, shortly after that though, I think I actually properly fell out with our manager and then like we didn't really talk for years afterwards. But Are, are um, you good now or no? Well informally all right Right, um yeah yeah i don't think we'll ever work with each other again but like um say hello to each other and stuff he's just had a kid looks nice (laughs) 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 um yeah and then i think will had just lost his flavor for wanting to do a band yeah i don't blame him it was probably quite awkward after a while like and yeah i kind of just sort of fizzled out really um but that's not to say that that wasn't what it was ever meant to do because I kind of like, I always thought that Eager Teeth was just going to be like, we do an album and then we'll just blaze it out there and fuck off. Like, I don't think... So it's never going to be, yeah. The thing that I've always maintained since then and wanted to do during then was that like, you don't really owe anyone anything, like longevity and things like that. Yeah, yeah. You know... Do what you want out of it. Like, if you're not having fun, don't even bother. Like, I'd done so many bands that weren't fun, and um, and they yeah, were, you know, yeah, yeah. And it's just not even. There isn't even any point. Do it at your leisure, at yeah. your fun. If it stops being fun, stop. Yeah, um, that makes sense. Okay, um, should we jump forward into what you're doing now? Speaking of fun, or is there anything in those? Those sort of um, intervening years that that you feel we should talk about? Not, not overly. Like, uh, I've done little smatterings of different bands, like Moonlighted and other bands. Yeah. Mike Scott would get really annoyed with me if I didn't mention the fact that I was in Phineas Gage <laughs> last summer. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't make it to your show. I think uh, my okay. drummer Bernie went down to it. Yeah, he <laughs> did. I saw him there. It was the, um, what are they called? Uh, Mute, Mute show. That's Mute, it. Yeah, um, yeah. The New Crossing. Um and then uh, I had actually been in Phineas Gage during Poindexter as well before mm-hmm. they'd hired Mike and uh, as their filling oh, okay. bassist. Yeah, because they're old friends of yours, right? Yeah, yeah. 
And um, and a fun fact about Phineas Gage, which they all love me to put up, which Matt actually reminded me, Matt from Phineas Gage, he pointed out that uh, on um, their Wikipedia page, it says that in 2003, they were voted the ugliest band in punk rock, oh. <laughs> which I think was very mean. That's and then, very uh, mean. And then uh, Matt was like, yeah, you were in that band during that time. <laughs> so, uh, fair enough. <laughs> Ah, oh, that's not fair. That's yeah. not fair. I think that's very mean. Yeah. <laughs> that's not a kind-hearted thing to say at all. Um, but yeah, it was fun being in Phineas Gage yeah. last summer. Nice that you gave um, a shout-out to Mike as well, because I've been talking to him about coming on this as well, which cool. hopefully we'll sort out yeah. soon. Mike's doing plenty of stuff now. I don't think Mike's ever really left the scene, really, right. much like myself. Yeah, yeah. Well, I haven't really stuck to one scene. I've just gotten flitted in and out of those. <laughs> right. But um, Mike has firmly entrenched a big toe in the scene for like, the whole time. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so, yeah, uh, I've done a couple of hardcore bands in the space of this time. I have also played in a Talk Talk covers band, which is still going. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> um, but yeah, um, for a lot of the time when I was a parent, well, I still am a parent, yeah. but um, in the beginning bits... I realised there was all this dead time that you don't actually get to do anything and you're just yeah. like, well, he's just having a nap and I can't leave the house. And like, what can I do? And I just bought a Mac and I was like, well, I'm just start pissing around like with ideas that I was never allowed to use in any of my other bands. Right. And I started fleshing them all out. And then in the last couple of years, especially since being single, like I've just got the opportunity to actually start building things together and getting better yeah, and better yeah. at home production. And so this led to me basically finishing off what started off as being going to be a five-track EP, just start getting bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah. And now it's like a 10-track album that I've now added two bonus songs to. Um, but yeah, that was... And it's like a coherent mixtape as well. Mm-hmm. Even though the, the, the genre varies wildly between... It does, it does. It's yeah. kind of like just an introverted pop-punk record. Yeah, like, yeah, 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 that makes sense. It's not like balls to the wall, like... Get, 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 get. Yeah, yeah. There's one song that does that, but like... Um, but yeah, it's tied together just because it's me, I suppose. Like, mm-hmm. um, But yeah, this is the first time I've sung in a band since probably Cable Street Spy Club but not in this style since Poindexter yeah okay so it's just kind of a return to writing songs that I'm not restricted by at all yeah like every other band I've ever been in I've, if I've done any songwriting it's been on behalf of other people like, yeah, yeah yeah what do they what are their bands that they're into what but do they is, like this is purely what what you want to yeah this is basically yeah, yeah. if you stuck a microscope in my ear that's what, okay. <laughs> that's what you'd see on the other side. Um, it is a little bit tailored, but it's not like everything I'd wanted to have done. But um, mm-hmm. but yeah, it varies because that's the kind of thing that I was sort of feeling at the time. It's quite personal and um, I never thought I'd ever do a solo record. And I also never thought that... Um, I would even play it either. Yeah. I thought I would just release it and, and into the ether and that would be yeah, it. Yeah, and then but then around Christmas, I think on Boxing Day, I leaked the first song, a song called Stephen Is It Really So Strange? Yeah. And um, it basically just sounds like Jawbreaker. <laughs> but um, uh, I got a quite a lot of positive response from it from mates who play in bands and they were like, are you ever going to play this stuff live? And I was yeah, like, yeah. 
well, I could do, I suppose. And they're like, well, we'll do it. <laughs> and I was like, oh, maybe I should start thinking seriously about this. Yeah, so I actually yeah. put it together. So now I have a, a backing band, which includes members of River Jumpers and All Better. Mm-hmm. And um, we're playing a show, or our first show is going to be supporting Harker at their single launch on the 18th of May. 18th of May, where, where's that at? For uh, people the, based in, in, in Brighton. In Brighton, yeah. yeah. Green, the Green Door store in Brighton. Okay, yeah. And yeah. then we're playing again, supporting um, Okikubo Station, which is Mora, Weaver and Mike Park, their yeah. their side project band with Dan Pothas supporting. And we're opening for those guys That's a, in, that. in June the 20th, I think. And you said that's at the Prince Albert. That's at the Prince Albert. Two venues very close in to Brighton. each other. Yeah. Nice. Um, but I am planning to try and get us some shows in the London area and stuff as well. And mm-hmm. there is, I can't even remember if it's actually happening, but I might be doing a solo slot supporting Koji at oh, really? um, the New Cross Inn. Uh, should, should we um, should we try and uh, wrap this up a little bit, mate? Like, yeah. Is there any other stuff you, you want to discuss? Because, yeah, I want to... Yeah. I want to know what some food and stuff. So cool. I want to know what you're listening to. Oh, okay. Good question. Um, What am I listening to? Um, Stuff that wouldn't shock you. I'm going to have to cheat and like look at my. uh, Yeah, I have to as well. Apple Music when I'm put on the spot. That's right. I don't do Spotify. I stopped doing Spotify. Is that for ethical reasons? No. Oh, no, no. no. (laughs) Apple Music. Um, No, like just because the app was shit and it had loads of bugs, and this has been much better. what have I been listening to of late? Um, lots of things that you'd expect from me, like uh, the new stuff from from Alistair. On a side note, is it Alistair? Go on. There's a because like one of Alistair is married to a Japanese woman, and they the the Scott and Rivers album yes, that they yes. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because uh, S- Scott he lives yeah. in Japan. We we actually we had uh, Tim, who's the other singer from Alistair, on the podcast on Saturday. So Amazing! This, yeah, incredible. He was, yeah, he was a really nice guy. Yeah, yeah. Like, um, but like, I haven't liked anything that Weezer have done for a really long time. Right. But the Scott and Rivers album is really, the really J-pop good. stuff. Is yeah. Cool. yeah. Well, it's I just cool, love Japanese language pop punk. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> I've got a real soft spot for like Japanese language punk at the moment. <laughs> uh, no. So aside from Alistair. A uh, bit of the Dangerous Summer, if you know, know them. They, they've I had a couple of uh, new songs recently. They've been really cool. Um, I was a bit late to the party on this one, but um, there's an Irish punk band called che- Chewing in, Chewing on Tin Foil. Oh, I've heard that name, but are they good? Yeah, uh, really good. Like cool. the rest of the band I play in, like them, and like I hadn't really given them a chance, and I checked it out. And what sort of vibe? So it's kind of okay. So essentially obviously singing like Flogging Molly but like okay. like Flogging Molly but more straightforward pop punk okay so like gruff it. vocals but yeah. pop punk yeah essentially okay. some catchy songs that's cool um I'd be I was trying to get into that were you aware of that Mark Hoppus Alex I heard you talking about this yeah, in your yeah. last podcast I've got mixed like... feelings about that um that you know there's some cool things going on in it um and then what else have I added recently? 
Bit of newfound glory and show off. No, no shock horror there. So you like? I heard you guys talking about the from your screen to your stereo. Oh yeah, the newest they're, they're, one. Yeah, they're putting out part um, three in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I've heard little bits of it. They did like they just chucked out their cover of Eye of the Tiger the yes, other day. Yes, did. Yeah. I'm not sure how I feel about it. Like, I, I'm not that bothered about that song anyway, personally. So I was just like... It's like the least favourite song on SingStar. Right. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't even have a video. It's just like a moving dot. And like, that's right. it. Um, but then, like, um, I've always got a mass... Like, I'm not the biggest Newfound Glory fan in yeah. the world. But I've got a massive soft spot for from your screen to your stereo one. Yeah. Like, yeah. with, like, never-ending story. Oh, and, yeah, it's- they, and I, they pick the best songs on that one and just so good raw versions of them yeah like, and did, you, did you ever hear part two the... yeah I, I remember it had kiss me on it and it had like um je suis jamais allé from a- amelie on yeah, it as well as you know i was very obsessed with amelie for a while i remember um from the poindexter days of the song <laughs> breathless which is all about amelie um <laughs> But yeah, um, I did hear that. It's just like, it made a difference it being so much better produced and stuff. Yeah, yeah. What about, <laughs> what about you? What, what, what have you been into recently? So, um, I have been listening to lots of punk. Um, okay, uh, cool. I'm Such quite, as? Well, I, I always champion all better. Not just because they're mates, but just because I actually genuinely think they're really, really good. Yeah, they were, well, they were certainly um, good when, when I saw them open for you guys last year. Oh, yeah, they, they did, not, didn't they? they yeah, I forgot Katie's about show. that. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I absolutely love them. And um, just really honest, quite cheesy, but like just yeah. really nice, big chorus pop punk songs. Yeah. And quite techie in parts as well. Um, and also our, our, my band's drummer is also their drummer. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> um, but um, other than that, I've been listening to loads of Aussie pop punk. Oh, like, such as? Um, like Amble and the Sniffers. Oh, I don't know them. Skeggs. Um, I thought I was up on my Aussie punk and pop punk, but both of them I don't know. They're 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 still pop punk, but they're yeah. like um, a little bit like on the sort of garagey end, but not okay. really. But like like Skeggs, Hockey Dad, um, Amelin and Sniffers, and that band the Chats as well. You know, I'm on smoke out, so let me alone. <laughs> Do you ever see that? No, fuck, I don't Mate, know any of these. Bands. That went viral because of a stupid video they had. Um, but it's kind of all right. Yeah. But um, and then who else? Have been Lots of Japanese punk. Um, a band called Chai, who are all girl Japanese punk. Okay. They're really really good. And uh, who I've been actually, I've kind of been on a big nostalgia fest lately. Like I've been listening to the Loved Ones loads. Oh yeah. And yeah. like I like I really love that sound. And like I love Dave. Yeah, it, I never horse? know. It's, yeah, horse. Or it's not house, is it? Yeah. No, like, Dave House is the geezer out the, of uh, Lucky Thirteen. Bloke, yeah. <laughs> oh, oh yeah, old school. Yeah. Um, what was she called? Joe Eaton. Joe Eaton's ex fella back yeah. in the day. <laughs> Joe Eaton Brown now because oh, she got married. She married uh, James Brown from Mike's band. Lay it on the line. Oh really? Okay. Yeah. It's a very small world. The pop yeah, punk yeah. <laughs> um, I've been like really listening to loads of '90s pop punk, like Sam I Am and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and like CIV. Do you remember Civ CIV? Who were like around? I don't know. 
uh, they were like around the sort of like bouncing souls, like New Jersey era stuff. Like. Oh, okay. You know, I've like got a big soft spot for New Jersey stuff. Yeah, so anything like well, Saves the Day, Lifetime. My lifetime before, yeah. Um, and even bands like, you're a big fan of like, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, Midtown? Uh, they're not from New Jersey, are they? Yeah. Are they? I think they are. Well, even better. Um, no, um, or, uh, uh, the, the ones that sound like Bruce Springsteen. Oh, Gaslam. Yeah, Gaslam. Yeah. They're from New Jersey, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 And they brought like Bruce Springsteen. It's all about the Jersey boys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Jersey hardcore. And yeah. like, and you can, when I, when Gaslight Anthem first came out like 10 years ago or whatever, yeah. I was like, you can smell the flipping New Jersey <laughs> melodic hardcore on them. They might be singing like, like Bruce Springsteen, but that, it's <laughs> like, <laughs> so that's fucking bouncing souls, dude. <laughs> Um, okay, yeah, maybe that's uh, a place to leave it. Yeah, that's cool. Gary. Thanks so much for making the trip up here. Thank you very much for having me. Uh, yeah, it's been an absolute pleasure. Um, and it's been cool because we most of our guests recently have been remotely done, which is which is great anyway, but it's good to hang out with an old friend face to face. So, yeah, thanks very much. Anytime. Uh, so yeah, that was my chat with Gary Yeh. Um, want to thank Gary again for making the trip up to London really fun to see him and spend some time together so that was a really fun evening have a listen out for gary's stuff which is out now his solo album when i grow up to be a man uh you can get on his Bandcamp, which is garya.bandcamp.com uh so i want to thank everyone for listening as ever and obviously give it as we always say subscribe if you can wherever you get your podcasts and we'll see you next time thanks bye-bye Can't wait for you to arrive.